a, a grace of giving, Lord. Cease our negative thoughts and cause us to know the joy and celebration of giving to You, Lord. And teach us to be generous for Your glory. Teach us to be generous, Lord, when furthering Your kingdom. Lord, teach us to be generous in everything we do. And all the Christians said, Amen. So if you've got your seed and you're ready to sow, you can do it at the front here. And let's worship some more.
to this great Southland, Spirit God. This is a great Southland of the Holy Spirit, land of red drops, plains, and summer rains. To this sunburned land, we will see a flood. And to this great south land, this is your This is a great south land of the Holy Spirit, a land of red dust plains and summer rain. To this sunburned land, we will see a flood. And to this great south to just continue Lord Father to just enter into this rest O God with your precious blood Father what can wash away our sin but nothing but the blood of Jesus Father we just enter into your rest today God Hallelujah What can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood Let's declare what can wash away our sins What can wash away Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh precious, oh precious is Thou What can wash away? 
take you on a bit of a journey this morning. It's going to be a bit different to what you normally hear. Um, we've all seen the movies. I think the best movie that talks about the um, crucifixion was the, um, his name has gone out of my head, Mel Gibson. The Mel Gibson movie showed you the horror of the crucifixion. 
But the story started on a Tuesday night when they were in the upper room and they had the, the Last Supper. And then at the end of that, they went out into the, the garden to pray. Jesus got arrested. He got beaten. He got whipped. Had beard torn out. Taken up to Golgotha and crucified. But you know, when I first became a Christian, and being a young married man, I was said they said, "Oh, you can run the youth group," which is what happens when you're a young married guy. You, yeah, you're in charge of the youth group. And the pastor said, "I want you to give." a really good message to these kids. I want you to give them something that is really going to, to affect them about, about communion, about what happened. And I thought, oh, okay, that sounds pretty good. So I was on my day off and I'm home alone and I was, um, I was actually putting down floorboards. And um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll pray about it. So I, I prayed about it and God just said, sit down. So we had a, a big lounge, and I, so I sat down on this lounge. And he showed me what happened. There, you know, Jesus had gone through all that torture, and then at midday, it got dark. Or might have been three o'clock, it got dark. An unnatural darkness. And what happened at that time was... God turned his back on Jesus. Jesus and the Father were separated for the first time in eternity. And while I'm sitting there, now, just to put it into perspective of how bad it was, my father left me when I was seven, my mother left me when I was eight. I had a lot of trauma, a lot of bad things happened in my life. But I tell you, nothing, nothing that happened in my life went anywhere close to what I experienced when I felt that separation. Now, for people that have heard my story, I've been to heaven numerous times and I've seen a lot of great things. But that time sitting on my lounge in my lounge room, I went to hell. It was the most despairing, the darkest, absolutely the darkest episode that I could have ever possibly been. And that's what Jesus, that was the worst than all the beatings, the floggings, the beard being pulled out, the crown of thorns, getting nailed to the cross. That was all dreadful. But the worst thing was that three hours while he's on the cross and he's separated from the Father. Absolute despair. And if nothing else makes you want to get people saved, it's because, you know, we hear about the hellfire. Yep, that's the hellfire is there. But you know the worst thing about hell? For eternity, you're absolutely separated from God and you're on your own. doesn't matter how many billions of people are in hell with you, you're on your own. You're going to feel that absolute desolation, that destruction of your being, for eternity. I've been there and I don't ever want to go there again. And as we take these things today, we think about the body that was broken on the cross for us, 
that body that suffered so much, that, that went through absolute torture. And you know why he did it? He did it for you, and he did it for you, and he did it for you, and he did it for you. He did it for you, and you, and you. He did it for all of us. We were on his mind while he was on that cross. And during those three hours of desolation, when all the filth and the sin of the world was being poured in on him, and he was separated from the Father, he took all that, and he took all that so that you could be here today and that know that you've got a future in heaven. So as we take this this morning, now I don't know who this was meant for because I know there was somebody that needed to hear this. And, um, you know, just if you want to talk to me more about it later, that's great. But, you know, somebody needed to hear this this morning. So as we take this bread, just remember that that Tuesday night when Jesus was was dragged away and then the Wednesday when he was nailed to the cross, and there were three hours and then he spent... His body spent three days in the grave and then he resurrected on, it was actually between Saturday night and Sunday morning. If we start thinking about things in Jewish time. So let's take the, the bread and let's remember the body that was broken and tortured for us. And as we take the cup, we remember the blood, the, the blood that it, he bled so much that he bled out. His body was bled out on that cross. And while he's up there for that three hours in absolute desolation, he took your sin. So let's take this and remember we've been set free because of what he did. Shane, you have an announcement for us? Oh, that was good. Thank you, Nick. That was that was wonderful, wasn't it? I've uh, just got a, a little announcement just to keep everyone updated. Uh, our Tuesday night Bible studies are changing uh, and we're going to go online. Uh, the reason for that, uh, Cindy and I went and spoke to Pastor Gary and Amanda, uh, is for about nine years now I've had uh, quite a serious uh, illness that, that really takes my strength and um, if I do too much then I, I just can't function so um, so and what's happened is um, I'm struggling it's not the Tuesday night so much it's the the next couple of days it takes me time to get over I'm just shattered and then in the end I can physically keep going but my mind just does not work anymore it's just it's like chronic fatigue, uh, fatigue between the ears, and that just proves that you don't need to have a very big brain to to have chronic fatigue between the ears. So, so as a result, we're going to um, we're going to go online, and and just an explanation to the kids and, and for you guys to pass on to Levi. Uh, that's why children's church is in recess at the moment. It's not that we couldn't stand the kids anymore. It's just that. Um, we physically uh, couldn't keep going and, and Children's Church was really my, my passion and Cindy was helping and I've just run out of petrol in the tank and, um, 
Children's Church is not permanently on hold as, as more people come in and more kids come in. That's going to kick off again and I'll, I will be a part of it. I, I might not be uh, running the whole thing, but I'll be a part of it because I really love it. And um, you kids were awesome. We really got to love you guys. And, and it was just a pleasure to, to minister to you guys and, and to be blessed back. So Tuesday nights will go online. We're going, to go, we're going to use the app Telegram so that if anything politically incorrect happens, uh, we don't get shut down, nobody gets arrested and, and dragged away in the middle of the night. Um, if, if you want to be part of that, then uh, come and see us and we'll, we'll get the link to you and, and you can be part of that. It will kick off in two weeks' time, so not this Tuesday coming, but the following one. Um, and we're gonna, it's, it's going to be a little bit different to how we had it in Gloria's home. Um, we'll have a little less study, but I'll still send the notes out for those who like to do more study. We'll have more interaction time. We'll pray for each other. And we're also going to have uh, answers to tough questions. So uh, there's always tough questions like, if, um, if God's so good, why do bad things happen? Why was God nasty in the Old Testament, but he's nice in the New Testament? And, and a lot of us have these things running around our head and we want to know, but we think, I can't ask that. Well, we'll you'll be able to ask that. So I'll get you to email in your tough questions anonymously so that nobody looks at you sideways. And then we'll talk about these things. Um, and, and we'll just do the, the basics, the discipleship uh, that we've been going through. And so we'll learn how to pray. We'll learn how to worship and praise in our, in our private times. We'll learn witnessing and Bibles, uh, Bible reading and all, and all the rest of it, and, as well as the tough questions. And we'll be blessed. Oh, Amen. So, so thanks for being a family. And please keep praying for me uh, because I am in agony. Uh, like really serious pain probably 80% of the time even on a good day uh, it's like having arthritis in every joint in your body but nothing ever gets damaged you just have the pain and then the muscles hurt and then the brain just sort of goes into zombie so I'm confident God's going to heal me Hallelujah! and I'm on some serious medication to help with the symptoms and that's because I'm a sook some people don't take medication Good on ya. I'm too much of a sook for that. Uh, I get medicated while I wait for my answer. I think that's the way God intended it. Amen. 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 So we should be praying for Pastor Shane, right? But also, who doesn't want to be involved in a ministry where you could get dragged out of your bed at night and locked up? That's a good thing, right? That's what the church should be doing. We shouldn't be afraid of, of what the world says. Why are we scared of them? Why are we scared of the world? So we're still praying for you, Pastor Shane. I think it's a great idea because more people can get involved. Now, before I preach, I'm gonna preach on Christian rewards and crowns today. But I've asked Nick to come and blow the shofar and we can have one more song because I think it's really gonna lead us into what I'm preaching. So Nick, can you lead us, please?
So let's blow the trumpet in Zion. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. The Lord utters his voice before his army. trumpets being sounded? Can you hear the trumpets being sounded? We're being called. We are being called, church. I walked around the building seven times praying this morning, expecting the walls in this city to fall down. Get ready, church. We are being called. We are being called. Who's ready for the battle? Who knows that there's a battle happening? Who doesn't know that there's a battle happening? Awesome. We've been doing our job, Pastor Ramel. Everyone's ready for the end time army. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. For those watching online, we pray the Lord's Prayer every time we meet because this was Jesus' model prayer. When his disciples said, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. What a good God that we serve. You know, we're driving around this week and this is just a little miracle, but God focuses on the little things as well as the big, right? Right? 
and our engine light come on. It's like, oh Lord, really? Devil, get out of our car. So we drive to the mechanic just to get it checked because we're out. And he said, oh, I can't get you in until the 6th of next month. It's like, well, we're driving Brother Sadu to Mulaney that day. So that ain't going to happen. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll try and get you in this week. As we're driving home, it's like, Lord, now is not a good time. Whatever is wrong with this car, sort it out. And literally five minutes later, that engine light went off and it has not come back on. God is worried about the little things in your life. Those little tiny things that you think are insignificant and you won't pray for, he cares about. And I love Nick's communion this morning. Has anyone ever wondered how from Good Friday to Easter Sunday that it's not three days and three nights? Has anyone ever wondered about that? Tuesday is the day. The resurrection was before sunrise on the Sunday. So it was probably Saturday night, early Sunday morning. And we're coming into Easter. So get ready, there'll be more teaching. Our role as a church and as believers is to educate not just the world, but also the church. That's up to you as well. It's not just myself and Nick that are doing it. So January, we're almost at the end of January. Hallelujah. Who's had a great month? <laughs> Who's looking forward to a better month next month? There's been some attacks in the church, right? Some people have had spiritual, physical, mental, but our God is greater. Pastor Shane's illness might just be the thorn in his side. And the Lord is saying, my grace is sufficient, but we're still gonna pray for a healing. So January is a time of new beginnings. It's a new year. And an appropriate response is celebration and praise of life, or for life, and all the opportunities that come. What opportunities have come this year is amazing. Brother Sadu next week. We're going to Japan the day after Valentine's Day for 10 days. What an opportunity for us. We're going to Korea later in the year. And then we're going to Israel. Hallelujah, two years ago we couldn't do any of that. The Lord is good. When we say, Lord, we're ready. Give us what you want us to do and things just open up. That's for all of us. When we pray his will, the doors will open. So our theme for January has been celebrating the life that Christ makes possible. We should all be doing that. Could be worse, we could be dead. Could be worse, we could be dead and not know Christ. So today we're going to talk about Christian rewards because most Christians like the rewards, right? They don't like the pain that you have to go through to get some of them, but they like the rewards. And I want to encourage you this week, be praying, Lord, show me your face, not just my hand, not just a hand. Too many of us think that God is a genie in a bottle and we just get him out when we want. We give the bottle a little rub, give him a wish list and it comes true. Now, most of us will know that that's not true. The text we're going to concentrate on today is 1 Corinthians 3.8. I'm assuming the screens are working today. I can't see them. Hallelujah. Thank you to the team for setting up this morning. Pastor Ramel was obedient to the Lord last Sunday afternoon when he came up to me and said, the Lord has now told me twice and I don't want to hear a third time that you're not to be setting up the equipment. 
You're supposed to be praying and doing what he's called you to. Hallelujah that he had that boldness because most people wouldn't have the boldness to walk up to a pastor and say, the Lord's told me twice. And thank you to the, for the team for setting up. You've done an awesome job today. So the text we're concentrating on is 1 Corinthians 3.8. If you've got your Bible, open it up. We'll be on the screens, but we're a Bible-believing church, so we should have one and we should read it, especially if we expect the Lord to speak to us. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but we'll pull it apart a bit this morning. And then we go to 1 Corinthians 3.14. It says, if anyone's work which he has built on in... Sorry, I'll start again. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. The scriptures we're going to work through are 1 Corinthians 3.8-15. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labour. You will get your reward for what you do. You won't get your reward for what I do, or for what Nick does, or what Pastor Amel does. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We're his fellow workers. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. This church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Verse 11, for no other foundation can lay can anyone lay that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ? He lays the foundation. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Almost sounds like the refinery, right? We will be tested by fire. Who's been tested by fire in their life so far? Everyone else, get ready. (laughs) It's coming. If you haven't been tested, you will. Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Hallelujah for that. I want my work to endure. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. When we throw hay and stubble into the fire, it burns up and disappears, doesn't it? When we throw gold and silver in there, it's purified. Living the supernatural life is a blessing not only now, but into the future. Who wants to live that supernatural life? Let's have it now. Why wait? Why wait? until we're dead. We can have it now. This is a great difference, or there is a great difference in the doctrine between the rewards for the saved and the unsaved. Salvation is by grace, not by works. We know that. But rewards are according to the works of the believer. So you can be saved. You can sit on your backside in a church for 60, 70, 80 years. That's okay. But if you do something, 
the rewards will be much greater. Salvation is a gift. Rewards are earned. Some of you have heard me say in the past, the free gift of salvation will cost you everything if you want to do something with it. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 to 15 reveals several truths about rewards and we're going to go through them. One of them is every believer is to be rewarded according to his or her own own labour. Second, we are labourers with God. You can try and build a church on your own understanding, but it won't work. We're labourers with God. We're not doing this for salvation, but we're doing it for his service. If we were building this church on our own and just for our own salvation, we would have given up hundreds of times. In the Pentecostal movement, there's a saying, you're on fire on Sunday and you're ready to retire on Monday. We would have retired almost every week. But we're not doing it for our own benefit. We're doing it for him. Third, we had to build on Christ as our foundation. Don't build on the sand. Don't build on the hay. We have a choice of two kinds of building materials, gold, silver, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. The first kind represents eternal materials, and the second represents temporal materials that will be gone. Building with the eternal materials results in rewards. Building on temporal materials result in loss at the judgment seat of Christ. Because who knows, we're all going to face the judgment seat one day. For those, for those of us that are in ministry, you know that our judgment will be harsher. We'll be asked what we did with everyone else. So pray for your pastors. If you're watching online, pray for your pastors because they're taking a load which you're probably not willing to take yourself. A minister once sat beside a bedside of a dying friend. Let me tell you a story. And the friend talked about going home. He knew he was going to heaven. He talked about it. And tears filled his eyes. And knowing that the man was in Lord, in the Lord, the minister thought he was afraid to die and tried to speak words of encouragement to him. Who's been there? We try and speak words of encouragement to someone who's about to pass. And the friend said, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to die. I'm just ashamed to die. Christ was his saviour, but he had to meet him empty-handed. His life was like wood and hay and straw. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, we, we joke on a pretty regular occurrence that Pastor Shane, when he, he gets to heaven, he's going to turn up with a wheelbarrow full of crowns. This man was turning up empty-handed. He had nothing. Christians can live and die crowned with victory. Who wants to be crowned with victory? I know I do. Sometimes the Christian's reward is called a prize, but sometimes it's called a crown. Five crowns are mentioned in the New Testament. Let's go through them this morning. And as we do this, think to yourself, is that the crown I want? Do I want that one? But weigh yourself up against what I say. 
whether you think you'll actually get it or not. First one's the crown of life. The crown of life is sometimes called the lover's crown. We find strength to overcome temptation and endure trials through the love of God, don't we? I know that's the first place I head now. It's no longer a bottle. It's no longer drugs. When I face the temptations and the trials of life, the, I, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, why? When our engine light comes on in our car, Lord, why? Fix this. This is your car. Isn't it sneaky, though, how the devil knows there's something happening? So he'll twist things around to try and stop them. What he doesn't realise, though, is we know he's already defeated. He has no power other than the power we give him. Now, that's off track, but we've got to get that in our heads. Stop blaming the devil for everything. He's defeated. Understand that he's defeated and don't give him any power. Without the love of God in our hearts, trials can cause us to become bitter, can't they? And critical and lose the crown of life. There's people in my family who are bitter and critical. They're not believers. We pray that they will be one day. So that bitterness and that anger and that critical spirit is gone. Mm. Yeah, Jezebel was pretty critical, wasn't she? Pretty bitter. Didn't like the prophets. Jezebel called herself a prophetess when she was really a witch. So there's a warning there. Not everyone that says they're a prophet. Not everyone that says they're a prophetess. Not everyone who says they're something actually are. We pray for discernment in this church. The crown of life is also the crown that is received for being faithful unto death. Who wants that? What if someone comes up to you and says, renounce your faith or you lose your head? Will you still be faithful unto death? We're going to two communist countries this year, or one communist country, which is really close to another one. All three countries we're going to this year have been prophesied that they will have trouble this year. Hallelujah for that. All believers have eternal life, but not all believers will be rewarded the crown of life. To receive it, we must love the Lord more than we love our own lives. What are you willing to lay down for Him? We must live for Christ and endure temptations and trials in the power of the love of God at no place in the Bible does it say the temptations will be removed. It says we will be given the authority and the power to endure them. So what you're going through now, there may be a reason for it. Our second thing is the crown of rejoicing. I want to see this crown. I want to see, I want to be part of a church that rejoices together. As we prayed before we started with yeah, an issue that's going on within a family, which is terrible. The children have been kidnapped by their father this morning. We, we, we mourn and, and we love each other and we feel each other's pain, but we should rejoice together as well. 
The crown of rejoicing is called the soul winner's crown. The greatest work we are privileged to do for the Lord is to bring others to a knowledge of Christ as their personal saviour. Nowhere in the Bible does it say stand in Cavill Avenue and tell everyone they're going to hell. That's not soul winning. It's been happening on the Gold Coast for 50 years. Lead them to Christ and disciple them. Don't tell them they're all filthy sinners and whores. The question is, why do we win souls? Because it is wise to win the lost. It is that simple. It's a work against sin. Who wants to work against sin? I know I do. And it brings cause for joy in heaven. When one sinner is saved, heaven rejoices. Every soul winner will shine just as the stars do forever. Just think of the rejoicing when you were saved. No matter what you were pulled out of, heaven was rejoicing. Why wouldn't you share that with someone else? So how do we win souls? We can win souls by the examples that we set. It's very hard to win souls if you go to church on a Sunday and get drunk on a Sunday afternoon. Very hard to win souls if you're at church on Sunday and then swearing at everyone at work on Monday. I've worked in those workplaces. I was one of those people. We've got to set examples for people. Most people around the world don't read the Bible and won't read the Bible. But let me tell you, they're reading you, the Christian. They're looking at Nick and going, mm, I'm going to watch this guy. Just see whether he actually is living up to what he preaches. Hallelujah that he does. They're watching you as well. Others see Christ in us as we respond properly to life situations. We can lead others to Christ with our mouths. We need to witness verbally for Christ. We need to not be afraid to speak his name. And we've got to be trusting the Holy Spirit to give us the power to do it. We can win our souls, we can win souls through giving. We should give our tithes and offerings to support others who are preaching Christ. And so have the fruit abound to our account. We can't all travel to South Korea this year. But three of us can. But we all have the opportunity to sow into that. We can't all spend our, our week in the Word and ministering to people, but we can all sow into it. It's like putting money in the bank. You get, a little, well, you get a little bit of interest now, don't you? Not very much. It's almost not worth it. But that interest that we get by sowing into the kingdom is stored up for us. There is much rejoicing when lost souls are saved. Who's had a family member saved recently? No one? Imagine how much you'll rejoice when they are. We saw our daughter last night play her first paid gig. She's an awesome singer. She's not saved. But let me tell you, the venue she was at was, was pretty full. When she sings for Christ, they won't be able to hold the crowd in there. And there will be rejoicing. 
Every single one of you will hear it so many times from us when our children get saved. The day's coming. The day's coming. Heaven rejoices. The new believer rejoices when someone's saved. The sower and the reaper rejoice together. And the whole family of God rejoices. I thank God that people have sown seeds in the kingdom that we get to reap the harvest. Therefore, we should also sow seeds so our children and our children's children can reap a harvest. The third one is the crown of righteousness. We need righteousness in the church. We need to bring holiness back to the church. I believe that will be part of the message next weekend. It may come as a rebuke that we need holiness. We need righteousness. We need prayer back in our church. I was amazed again yesterday morning at our prayer meeting. Broadwater was dead calm. It was like glass. And we're standing there. There's no boats going past and there's waves just washing in. Waves of the Holy Spirit. And it's become so normal that we all just look at each other and smile now. The crown of righteousness is the crown earned by believers who eagerly anticipate the second coming of Christ. Who's anticipating Jesus' coming? Next question, who's ready for it? Two different things, right? We can anticipate it, but whether we're ready or not is a whole nother story. Because he's coming. He's coming. I believe, now this is a bold statement, but I believe it's in our lifetime. And I know that's been preached for decades. <laughs> but look around. Read Matthew 24. 23, 24, you'll see what's been happening, what's happening right now and what's about to happen. Get ready, church. And in the light of Christ's second coming, Paul could say in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Can, can we all say that? Have we fought the good fight? Have we finished the race? Do we know there's actually a race taking place? Have we kept the faith? In the realm of spiritual warfare, Paul won the battle. There is a battle taking place. The reason I walked around this building seven times this morning was because I want this building to be protected and the church to be protected and the walls of this city to fall So God can have his way. There is a battle taking place. That's why we sung, blow the trumpet in Zion. Get ready. Get ready. Paul finished the race. And in the course of travel, there was no detour around hard places, was there? Paul didn't say, well, I'm not going to go there because they're going to beat me up or put me in prison. He just went, I'm going because the Lord said. We've got to stop looking for the easy way. What was that old children's song? Can't go over it, can't go under it. Best just go through it. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, keep walking. Don't camp there. For way too often, the church, worldwide, but especially in Australia, has preached such a wishy-washy gospel 
that is very different to what my Bible says. They don't want to go to the hard places. They don't want to take on gay marriage and transgender issues and everything else that the world's going through. They don't want to question COVID. We'll just close our doors. It'll be okay. The government will keep us safe. How'd that work out? We've got to go through those hard places. We've got to take them on head first. There was no looking back for Paul and there's no looking back for us either. Instead, Paul kept his eyes on Christ. The Lord's telling us today, look forward and look up at me. Don't look backwards. Who cares what happened two years ago? Yes, some of us were dumb and we closed our churches. Not us. When I say us, I'm talking about the church worldwide. But we kept our eyes on Christ. We said to ourselves, how can we work within the government rules that they've created, no matter how stupid they are, to keep meeting? And we kept meeting. And yes, I'm calling out pastors on the Gold Coast for that. Don't do it again. It's going to happen. If we can't meet here because something happens, we'll meet in a park. We'll sort something out. Do not forsake the meeting. Paul kept his eyes on the prize and so should we. And finally he could say, I have kept the faith. He preached the full counsel of God, which includes preaching that you know, sin is sin, repentance is good. Not saying, you know, God just loves you, do as you please. That's not what the gospel says. He preached the full counsel of God. The fourth thing today is the crown of glory. Wouldn't that be a good one? I mean, Pastor Shane's got a couple of crowns of glory there. Big ones. The crown of glory is a special reward for the faithful, the obedient, the obedient God-called pastor. The chief shepherd himself gives it. It is eternal and it doesn't fade away. Yet every believer may share in the pastor's crown of glory. God will reward those who support his chosen servants around the world through prayer and encouragement and giving freely of their self and their possessions. You know, it's about six or 7,000 ministers leave ministry every single year. And it's not because, or it's most often not because of finances or, or you know, anything that you think it would be. Often it's because they weren't actually supported by the church. They felt like they were running the race all by themselves. Yes, they had God, but they're running the race and they look around and there's no one there with them. I remember when we first planted the church, the Lord was very clear. We had 36 people say to us, we're with you pastors. On the day the church started, there was two. The whole lot of them, we're with you pastor. Where are you now? That's why ministers leave the ministry. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the tears we cried? And the tears weren't for us. The tears were for them because they'd made a promise to the Lord. They'd made a declaration to the Lord. 
These are the same people that will ring and say, we're getting married. Can you do our wedding flowers? We're, we're doing this. Can, yeah, uh, no. Come to church. God will reward those who support his chosen servants. The pastor earns this reward by feeding the church. Not just physically. Spiritually feeding the church. Taking the spiritual oversight of the church and being an example to the church. We're blessed that we're a church that has many pastors here, apostles, prophets. We're blessed. That also means that this church knows the pain. Our intercessors know the pain because they've been doing it for so long. They know the hurt. Pastors are to walk with God by faith. If you're a young pastor and you're watching online, which I know many do, if you've become a pastor just to get a paycheck, you might as well just quit now because you're not going to last. You've got to walk by faith with God. Pastors are the spiritual leaders within the house. Yes, there's apostles. Yes, there's prophets. But you know, often the apostles and prophets are off doing other stuff and the pastor's the one doing the day-to-day -day work. The fifth crown. The fifth crown is the incorruptible crown. If we go back, to, just go back to the other one for a second. If we look at what some of the pastors in this city have done in the last few years, the way they've acted, the way they've destroyed their churches, or they've destroyed a church because they want a platform, let me tell you, this city's in trouble. But God. So the incorruptible crown's the next one. This is the crown for victorious living. Who wants to live victoriously? Who finds it a little bit hard sometimes? Because if it's easy, everyone will be doing it, right? We've got to live that victorious life. In the Greek games, in the Olympics, the competitors ran for a corruptible crown, didn't they? In the Christian race, we run for an incorruptible crown. We're praying and believing that our daughter will be the first Australian triple jumper, female triple jumper, at the Olympic Games. You know, we've never had one. She's putting in years and years of effort for something that may happen in 2032. Just so happens to be the same year I think God's going to do something big. Probably not good big. She's going to spend all these years of her life running for a little medal. But we are running the race for an incorruptible crown. What's more important? Athletes deny themselves many things. We've seen our daughter go through so much stuff, denying herself of so much stuff. And likewise, Christians must subdue their bodies, mustn't we? Or else be disqualified for the prize. The New Testament contains guidelines for us to win, to win the crown of victory. To find them, we need to read it. We must keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Let me say that again because I think Gordy got it. We must keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Who cares what Tom Tate's doing? Who cares what Queen Anastasia's doing? Who cares? Keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We don't need to be happy about what they're doing, but it shouldn't affect us. 
We must place our all on the altar of God. It was prophesied, was it Marty, late last year? Prophesied, a lady in South Africa sent us a message and said, Pastor Gary, Pastor Amanda, you have built the altar. You have laid down the sacrifice. You are the sacrifice. Now watch the fire of God fall. Don't we want that? We've got to place everything on the altar of God. We must be, by faith, refuse anything that would impede our spiritual progress. We saw Annie Patty do it this week. She was invited to go to something and she didn't have peace with it because it may have impeded her spiritual progress. We need to start having discernment and thinking. Not all things that people say are good are good. There is no way to win this crown and be a spectator in the Christian life. We don't need any more spectators. The stadium is full. We need players on the ground. We must enter the race. We've got to get into the race. We need players. Seriously. We need players. Too many people are watching on. Going, go pastor, go pastor, take on the devil. Poor pastor gets beaten up a few times. And church goes, oh, that was good. Good job. We saw what you did there. So, well, why weren't you there with me? We've got to get into the game. Who used to play sport? Who wants to start playing a game now? This is a war that we're in. We had, (laughs) oh Lord. We have a green senator saying that this country is at war with itself. She's from Melbourne. She has some really weird political issues. Why can't the church say we're at war with what the world is doing? Get into the game. We haven't been preaching get ready for the last year for nothing. The message now is get ready and keep up. Because if you're not marching with the army, you will probably get left behind. We've got to enter the race and we have to enter to win. We're not just entering for the sake of it. Not everyone gets a prize. It's not like school these days. Well, you know, just go in the race, you know, you get a participation medal. When I was a child, that would not have cut it. In fact, you wouldn't even get your name on the list. As we finish up, the worship team want to come back up. I'm going to finish up here. In an old story, let me share another story with you. I feel like telling stories today. As the swan was chasing me earlier, I got time to think about stories. Let me encourage you, church, don't go and have a look at the babies. Daddy, Daddy Swan does not like it. In an old story, an angel was talking to an aged Christian. Who wants to have angels talking to them? I still remember it a few weeks ago when I'm, we had the sound desk over here. I'm under the desk. Two angels, Gabriel and Michael. Do you want to see a glimpse of heaven? Mm, yes. When they ask you that, make sure they're from God. But then always say yes. Get ready. 
It will change your life. So this angel was talking to this aged Christian. And going into a great vault, he brought out a beautiful crown with shining jewels and it was of great value. And he said, this is the crown I designed for you when you were a youth, but you refused to surrender yourself completely to the Lord. And now it's gone. From the vault, he went in again, he come back out and had another crown. It was beautiful, but nowhere near as beautiful as the first one that he had. He said, this is the crown I designed for you in your middle age. But you gave those years to laziness and avoiding discipleship. And now it's gone. Can you see yourselves in any of these pictures here? The angel goes into the the vault a third time, brings another crown out, and it's a plain gold crown with no jewels in it. And he said, here is the crown of your old age. This is yours for all eternity. Church, every one of us will receive a reward according to our labour. You might just, it might just be that crown with no jewels and just plain gold, which would be worth more than anything that we could ever purchase ourselves. But we will receive a reward for our labour. It's up to us. My labour can't get you a crown. My faith can't get you a crown. My reading the Bible hopefully guides you to read the Bible yourself, but me reading the Bible doesn't get you any any good. Let me ask you as I finish up, what will your reward be? There's five crowns there. What will your reward be? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. As we come into a a time of a little bit more worship, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that there are crowns laid up for us. We just need to grab hold of them, grab hold of your will for us. Lord, I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for a church that is ready for battle. A church that no longer just sits in the stadium going, go pastor, go. Faster pastor, faster pastor. I thank you, Lord, that they're coming out of the stands and lining up ready for the race. Lining up in a battle formation and starting to march. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I see this picture. When we were in Mexico a few years ago, we preached in a soccer stadium. We were down on the field. And as an altar call was given, people were rushing out of the seats. I see that is how we will be getting ready for the battle. That in the coming weeks, and months, there'll be people knocking on these doors saying, let me in, I need to get to church. Let me in. Lord, I thank You. Lord, have us ready for when that happens. When there's a crowd outside because this building is so full, saying, let us in, we need God. 
Have us ready, Lord. Have us ready in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship a little more. Scripture to my